Well, hi, folks, and welcome back to Naturally Adventurous. As always, this is Ken Behrens with my friend Charlie Hesse. Hi, folks. And this is uh, an exciting day because this is our second season of Naturally Adventurous. This is the first episode of season two, and we're excited to introduce our new theme music. Uh, this is something that my brother, who is a musician and an audio engineer in Nashville, created for us. We're very grateful for that. Thanks, John. Much appreciated. Part of his concept for the theme music was to include all these the natural sounds that you heard when we opened up the episode. So there's actually 13 different natural sounds incorporated in the theme music. There's a lot jammed into the, that short uh, track. <laughs> and these are all things that Charlie and I have recorded are all around the world. We'd sent my brother a bunch of different things and he basically picked out what he thought worked best and what he thought was sort of most striking so it was kind of interesting he's not a, a birder or a big uh, naturalist so it's kind of interesting what he selected there was a uh, an element of uh, of chance there or uh, of what he found to be most striking so what what we're going to do in this episode is we're just going to take you through all the natural sounds in our new theme music and we'll talk about each one a little bit and uh yeah, formally introduce our, our theme music. So the first natural sound in the theme music is a cool bird from Southeast Asia, a green broadbill. Okay, so yeah, that was a, the green broadbill call it's a bird from thailand where i live now it's from the south it's a rainforest bird lives in the sort of rainforest interior very sort of atmospheric call you know it's quite a soft call and they can be like quite close and they'll sound actually far away it's a beautiful emerald green color it's like a sort of medium-sized fairly rotund bird it lives in the mid-story of the rainforest in southeast asia and often calls in the early morning. I remember on my recent camping trip to southern Thailand, it was often the first thing I would hear in the morning while I was just lying there in my tent. But uh, yeah, some, they're not particularly easy bird to see. Sometimes you can be inside the rainforest and you'll hear it, and uh, if you recognize the call, you can, you can play it, and sometimes they fly in. So I've managed to show a few people this call. But yeah, very special bird and very sort of atmospheric sound. Okay, we're going to continue with the next bird, which is also one of my recordings. This is the call of the grey go-away bird. Yeah, actually named, the name comes from the call, because it sounds like go-away. Yeah, so there you can hear what Ken was saying. This uh, It does sound like... Uh, it's not a particularly beautiful bird the one in southern africa just a plain gray color it's got a long tail it's a fairly large bird and it's got this kind of fluffy crest but it's it's call really is its most uh redeeming feature uh lives in fairly dry habitats you get it in places like namibia and uh, the kalahari of botswana and also into sort of northern south africa it likes um, acacia trees so you'll often see them in these acacia trees with little yellow flowers, sometimes pecks at the yellow flowers. So it's uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty cool bird, and it really uh, it's one of these ones that really takes you back 
you know, if I close my eyes, I just imagine myself being back in uh, in Namibia. So the Bushveld, uh, yeah. the Bushveld, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty spectacular bird. It's just ha has the uh, unfortunate luck of being in the Turaco family and being probably the <laughs> least spectacular member of an incredible family. But I mean, it's a it's a cool bird, like big long tail and this big towering crest, and just very yeah. social. And they sort of call in these big uh, groups. This. But uh, color-wise, yeah, uh, it's sure. certainly overshadowed by its uh, by the, the other members of the family, the beautiful green and, and purple turacos. I took a photo once in Namibia that I'll put in the episode photo gallery of a couple gray go-away birds at dawn with the, the sunlight, the dawn light sort of filtering through their, their wispy crests. And yeah, it was a, kind of a cool moment on the savannah. I agree. It's just it's a very kind of evocative bird of just the whole yeah. big part of Africa. I don't know too many names of birds in Afrikaans, but the, I do remember this one. It's called queer full. So full is bird. This is a queer bird because it sounds queer. Queer. <laughs> so it's also queer. named for the the call yeah. in Afrikaans. Oh, great. Well, so our third track that's part of the theme music is also by Charlie. And this is another bird that is just incredibly evocative of Africa. This is the African <laughs> fish eagle. You can hear absolutely amazing call. It's incredibly loud. It's actually called uh, vociferous, I think, isn't it? Haliatus vociferous. That's right. When I close my eyes and listen to this bird, I, I tend to think of the, uh, the like the Okavango in Botswana, where we uh, do a lot of tours, and you're sort of going along the river there and in boats looking at all the different birds and other animals, and you'll see them in the top of trees just scanning the river. And sometimes they just sort of tilt their head back and just give this, just let loose with this um, really loud call. Sometimes they'll also give it in flight. They sort of also um, hold their wings back and tilt, tilt their head back and just give, uh, just let rip with this um, really loud call. But yeah, really amazing, amazing bird. Huge eagle, yeah, with a big white head. It's a sort of African version of a bald eagle, I guess. But it, ha it has a great call unlike the bald eagle which has a fairly pathetic sounding <laughs> little little call yeah. that's the one that when they put it in like a car commercial they actually play the red-tailed hawk as a, in the background instead of right. the bald eagle itself <laughs> <laughs> but yeah very very famous call in southern africa i mean almost everybody has heard it before you know the uh the, the fish eagle it's a very famous call some people use it as a as a ringtone on their phones okay we're going to pass it across to ken now um for the next vocalization on the track which is a bird i think you must have recorded in in west papua um see painted quail thrush yeah is the presence of this bird now as part of our theme music at all gripping to you charlie <laughs> you know so i was in i was in uh, west papua with ken and he was planning to to stay what did you stay an, an extra week or 10 days or so yeah about a week. Um, at the end and yeah, and go and visit this um, part, this um, kind of very remote area in the south. So he invited me along, but it was already a very long trip for me. And yeah, I think I'd already booked my flight, so I, I chose not to uh, not to accompany you on that trip. But um, yeah, no, I do. It, it it is something that haunts me a little bit. So this is a uh, yeah painted quail thrush, and it's part of one of the cooler families of birds in the world, which is the, the jewel babblers and quail thrushes. It's entirely Australasian bird family. So it's uh, New Guinea, Australia, and other islands in that region. 
and they're, they're just they're sort of like ant thrushes for people who know neotropical birds these kind of uh ground walking birds with sort of long necks and uh but unlike the ant thrushes they're almost all quite colorful and really strikingly patterned complex patterning and they also have these kind of piercing sort of laser gun vocalizations. <laughs> and so we'll, we'll play the call now. It's, it's a brief one on the theme music, but it's got this like piercing call. So when I uh, saw this bird and made this recording, it was it was a little bit of a story, which I we don't have time for uh, a lengthy rendition. But I basically woke up in a camp in the absolute middle of nowhere in the southern part of <laughs> Western Papua, and the first thing I heard was a Papuan eagle, and I spent the next sort of two hours tracking it down, and I eventually found a nest of Papuan eagle. Papuan eagle is a huge huge eagle. It's often called the Papuan harpy eagle. Uh, it's not nearly as big as the harpy or the Philippine eagle, but it's a big eagle and very hard to see. And so I, I ended up tracking down this eagle, and it was actually sitting on its nest and calling. So I found a nest and with the eagle sitting on it. It was incredibly, wow. incredibly exciting. And at the same time that I was tracking down this, this eagle with the adrenaline just pumping, <laughs> I heard this quail thrush for the first time. And it was a you know very difficult kind of decision in terms of priorities because the quail thrush was something I was desperate to see. It was my sort of most wanted bird in the region. Oh really? And yeah. in, you know I went with the eagle in the end. I I stayed on the eagle, and then after I had had great views of the eagle, I sort of went back to the area where I'd heard the quail thrush and uh, managed to locate it and even get some recordings. So it was uh, oh, nice. it's a great great birding experience. Should have been there, Charlie. Yeah, I've actually seen a quail thrush in Australia, the chestnut quail thrush in in New South Wales, and they're, they're spectacular birds. They're just so smart. I mean, not really bright colours, but a whole bunch of different like um, cool browns, you know, reddish browns and black patterning, and yeah, they're really um, really cool birds. And they're and they're very difficult to see as well. So yeah, it's always um, incredibly big difficult success when to you see. see one. Yeah, they're, the weird thing about them to me is that they they fly at the drop of a hat a lot of ground dwelling birds they're, they're kind of dumpy and they don't really like to fly and if they're shy but if they move away they tend to sort of hop away through the understory these the members of this family they will just fly away at the slightest uh, provocation which just adds an, an extra dimension of difficulty <laughs> to trying to see them very cool okay so moving on uh, your next one is actually a mammal very evocative again it's the wildebeest i guess from east africa would you call that a, a brindled new yeah so this is from this recording is from tanzania uh, one of the world's okay. great natural spectacles there which i believe we've talked about in a previous episode is yeah, the uh -huh. the migration of uh of millions a couple million blue wildebeest around the serengeti system so this that's where i made this recording was in the serengeti national park and uh, I guess it's sort of a contact call. These these big herds of wildebeest kind of maintain cohesion and contact with each other by giving this uh, kind of grunting, moaning call, which we'll play for you now. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so that was, when I made that recording, that was just a couple of wildebeest. But you can imagine when there are tens of thousands, let's say, in one herd, just the cacophony of, of all those animals making this call simultaneously. It, just in addition to seeing that sort of biomass, just the sound it, is it's awesome. It's just an <laughs> unbelievable spectacle, something everybody should see. And I would just put it among the greatest spectacles on earth um judged by any sort of criteria it was funny you know i remember the first time that i actually heard of wildebeest and i always wondered where the name new came from and then i heard this this thing it just goes new <laughs> like that i was like oh, oh that's where it comes from <laughs> it was a real uh yeah sort of eureka moment so next up is another bird from new guinea it's interesting my brother chose half of half of the tracks that I, he used that were mine were from New Guinea, and it, it's <laughs> it sort of makes sense because I also just found that there's just a lot of uh, sort of outrageously vocal birds in Australasia, um, as opposed to a place like Madagascar that you know birds are pretty quiet and a lot of the vocalizations yeah. are are pretty unspectacular. But wow, Papua just has all these crazy vocalists. It kind of brings to mind, because before we w went to West Papua on that last trip, we were in Tanzania together, I think, and we were trying to learn all these vocalizations, and we had sort of playlists that we just played constantly again and again and again, and we would often play them while we were sort of working out in the room or whatever, doing push-ups and listening to all these different uh, bird calls playing, trying to remember them. <laughs> <laughs> so this is quite a quite a vocally distinctive bird, and it's quite a special bird taxonomically for New Guinea. This is the mottled berry hunter. And uh, it's actually a monotypic family. It's endemic to New Guinea. So for people who are trying to see all the world's bird families, this is a major target. And uh, it's one of these birds that it doesn't look that different from other sort of berry hunters. But when the DNA was analyzed, it was just vastly divergent from other things such that it, it merited treatment as its own family. And so, yeah, it's not, it's not a spectacular vocalization, but it's one that's highly distinctive. And as a guide, you're, you're very much tuned in for this because it's a major target <laughs> for, uh, for birders that you're guiding. So yeah, we'll play now the call of the, the mottled berry hunter. So you can just imagine the way that a bird guides adrenaline spikes when you hear that call. You, you know, you're honing in to try to show this thing to people. That's what it sort of evokes for me. It's a bird of, of sort of hill and montane forest in New Guinea. Uh, wonderful, incredibly bird-rich habitat. And, and again, not particularly easy bird to see. I remember it was quite skulking. No, no. This, well, most birds in Papua are shy. This one's I guess no not, <laughs> not many of them are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we'll pass it back to Charlie. The next natural yep. sound on the theme music is his, and this is a blue crane. Okay, let's play the track and I'll uh, give you some thoughts. Yeah, so as you can hear, it's a pretty loud and very distinctive call and it's a 
you know, there's I think there's 15 species of cranes in the world, uh, four in Africa, um, three in South Africa. This is actually the, the South African national bird. And it's just it's just incredibly elegant. If I had to pick one word, it would be elegant. Or um, it's this beautiful slaty gray color. It's got a bit of a sort of bulbous head, a little bit more white on top, and then it has these very long flowing plumes which come down behind it. It actually looks like a, a, a long tail, but it's not a long. tail. It's got quite a short tail. These are extended tertial feathers. So the the feathers down the back of the the wing are, um, extended into these long plumes, and when they, it holds the wings in. Um, it has this, uh, yeah, just very long, um, elegant, flowing plumes coming out. Uh, what that means is that the it's actually the wing feathers that are sort of, they look like the tail. And then when it, it opens the wings, you've got these crazy yeah. plumes kind of flowing down. And they do these uh, display dances in which these long yeah. plumes are just flopping around in the wind. It's just uh, quite a bird. As well as vocalizing, they'll be sort of jumping up and down and bobbing their heads and jumping up in the air. You know, um, Ken's got a lot of... Very nice photos of this bird, but it's a really it's a real joy to see. One of the places we often see it on a tour is kind of east of Cape Town, and there's a place called the Overberg, and you get these big kind of rolling hills. It's very open landscape, and you'll see them sort of gathering in big flocks in these um, these big meadows of uh, of wildflowers. It's a really you know with this backdrop of big mountains in the background. It's a very yeah, amazing bird. Just um, reminds me very much of uh, yeah of the Western Cape of South Africa. Um, very very scenic and beautiful area. Yep, one of my favorite places in the world for sure, the Western Cape. Let's see. Next one is also Charlie's. Uh, this is quite a colorful bird, the gorgeous bush shrike. <laughs> an amazing bird so i i lived in south africa for nine years this was one of my local birds from the area that i lived in which was in sort of uh, in coastal kwazulu natal in maputa land and you get this um very distinctive coastal forest that it was quite common in but you can hear the call from miles away i mean from from my house to the nearest forest i think it was it might have been almost a kilometer. It's probably seven or eight hundred meters, and I could hear it clear as a bell in my house. <laughs> it was just really? yeah, it's just amazing. Go yeah, but whoop, but whoop, but whoop, but whoop. Little, um, kind of. And again, it's a very colorful bird, very beautiful bird, but again, not very easy to see. It's a real, it's a real skulker. But sometimes you're lucky enough, and it it hops out, and it's just got this deep red throat. It's a sort of a yellowish green bird, and then it's got this bright red throat with like a little um, a chest band around the edge of of the red area but uh it's always a it's always a joy to see it was always one of my favorite birds because it you know it was a challenge to find but you know hearing the bird was just that was the easy bit you know actually actually seeing it tracking it down from that was always uh the big challenge but yeah this is a very special bird for me because it reminds me of the place that i lived for for so many years yeah pretty amazing backyard bird didn't realize that was actually at your place yeah, yeah. Just uh, looking across the valley, that way I could just sit on my porch and just um, do a little bird survey, you know, with all the bird calls. But uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. And the next sound is going to be one of uh, one of Ken's, uh, another very special animal for me because it used to live uh, very close to my house. Is the the hippo? 
Yeah, I think maybe in our moving to Africa episode, we talked about this a bit, but yeah, very early on after I moved to Africa, I did this research expedition in Rwanda and I was still a little bit naive about the African animals. And at some point <laughs> I was basically next to this water hole and it was a little bit of a raised thing that sort that did sort of protect me, but I basically ended up sort of standing there holding my microphone just a, a couple meters from a bunch of hippos that were uh, <laughs> sitting in this water hole in the middle of the day. And so got this this nice recording of a, a grunting hippo, which uh, we'll play for you now. It's just another wonderfully evocative African sound, isn't it? It's, you know, I, I think of like sleeping in some some tented camp somewhere in the yeah. savanna and just hearing that at night, and you just feel like, wow, it's, you know, it's wild. Uh, you, you might hear lions and you hear hippos, and it's uh, it's really something. It's we've talked about this in earlier episodes as well. It just makes you feel very alive, and it makes you feel kind of exposed in a way like wow if i went out of this tent (laughs) there are things out there that could easily kill me that are way way stronger than i am but uh yeah i love if there's if there's any animal in africa that deserves healthy respect it's probably the hippo it's you know i think people that come to africa for the first time they see them as these kind of like slightly overweight friendly looking animals you know and they they don't you know i often have people saying oh you know are we gonna are you not scared about the lions or whatever? You know, one of the big dangers in Africa are, are hippos. They kill a lot of people every year, and you really don't want to come across one of these on foot. Um, no. They're pretty terrifying animals, and this call, it just yeah, it sends a, it sends a chill down my spine every time I hear it. The the deep bass probably won't quite come through on the podcast, but it's got you know it's just deep and rumbling. And when you hear this, you just you hear it in your chest. It's like it yeah. elicits this visceral it's like a reaction. vibration, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Well, isn't all sound a vibration? <laughs> well, this, this maybe vibrates a little bit more others, <laughs> a little yeah. bit more than others. A little more uh, power to it. Shakes yeah. it, shakes your whole body to the core. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Anyway, so I think we're going to move on to another one of uh, your West Papua birds. This is another bird that I saw together with you. Really tricky bird to see and another sort of big uh, taxonomic enigma. You know, people have really not been, a, uh, not really known what family it was in. But um, yeah, this is the, uh, the Biak Whistler. Yeah, we'll just go ahead and play it first. So yeah, as I mentioned earlier, there's just a lot of very striking vocalizations in Australasian birds, mm. a lot of kind of piercing laser gun type vocalizations. This is yet another of those. And as Charlie said, this is quite this enigmatic thing taxonomically. People who are not birders might find this a little bit hard to understand, but this kind of thing is really <laughs> exciting for people like Charlie and I, 
This bird basically used to be part of this very widespread complex, species complex of something called Rufus shrike thrush, I guess. And someone gave it a careful look and realized, like, not only is this a separate species, but it's not even a shrike thrush. It's, they, they actually had it in the <laughs> wrong genus. And so, yep. you know, that's just exciting. Something that was sort of lurking there, it was known, but it was just completely misdiagnosed for many decades. And so this actually emerged just before Charlie and I were, were on the island of Biek off the sort of northwest coast of uh, West Papua. And so finding this bird was a high priority. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't even think there was any recordings, but I, I had an idea of what it probably would sound like. And I, and I heard a likely candidate when we were birding and we, we actually, do you remember, we just plunged into the forest with the group yeah, to go after yeah. this bird and it took sort of an hour of dueling with it and I was making recordings and I was playing them back and eventually this thing came in. Yeah, it was sort of fly overhead, just zoom, just like, like lightning over our heads and, you know, it's almost so quick that you couldn't see it. And then, you know, some, you know, one person might have caught a glimpse, but, you know, and, and we, it was just flying backwards and forwards and we just couldn't. It was so difficult to get on. Really, um, really tough bird to see. I don't think we ever got great views. We, it, you know, we got sort of an impression of size and color as it shot past. Yeah. But it never really sat there for any of us. It was, yeah, very tough, very tough bird. But thankfully, very good recordings. And uh, so these are actually some of the first recordings ever made of this newly described species, as far as I'm aware. Okay, so we're going to move on to one more of Ken's. This is we're going to go back to Africa now. Um, this is from a very fascinating family of birds, the woodhoopoos and similar bills. Very sort of glossy birds with long tails and long sort of curved bills. Uh, often very social and they have these kind of chattering calls. So this is a white-headed woodhoopoo. Well, like the Turacos, the the grey go-away bird is part of the Turaco family. This is part of the uh, wood hoopoe and scimitar bill family, which is another endemic African family. And yeah, some of the coolest birds in Africa are in this family. It's just so much character. They're they're weird. They're cooperative uh, breeders. So there you'll have multiple birds all cooperating to sort of uh, have one nest for the uh, alpha male and female. There's lots of nest helpers. And they just sort of all display together. So often when you hear wood hoopoos, as in this track that I'll play, they're sort of sitting in a line on a branch. And there can be sort of five, <laughs> six, seven of them. And they, they tend to sit sort of one facing this way, one facing the other way. They're sort of counter position. Okay. And then as they make these rollicking kind of wooden calls, they're bobbing up and down. The tails are bobbing up and down yeah. and the whole bodies are bobbing <laughs> up and down. So you just get this bizarre, it's like the this branch Oh, on, on some tree is just kind of like twitching it's this bizarre motion it's it's one of the cooler things in africa to see i always if i'm guiding a tour and there's wood hoopers around i try to make sure people see this because it's it's just amazing mm. if you just happen to see one fly by it, you know you're, you're not getting the full experience you really need to see this group display so we'll we'll play the the call now of white-headed wood hoopoe it's kind of rolling chattering So the last 
Natural Sound of Charlie's on our theme music is Rufus Breasted Warbling Finch. Yes, indeed. It's a, uh, a Peruvian endemic. I think it's a, maybe an endangered species, very little known. And when I was in Peru, this is back, I don't know, maybe 13, 14 years ago, I was trying to see as many of the you know threatened birds and um, endemic birds that I could. And there was there was a couple of places where this had been seen where there were records one was along this road called the Santa Eulalia road which is the old road going up from from Lima and it was a great road to bird along you know you could just kind of stop the car and just bird along the roadside you know it's very easy but it had never been found to breed along there yeah so that was that was one place along the Santa Eulalia road and there was another place called Bosque de Zarate where they were also known from, and they were known to breed from that location, but it was a lot more strenuous to get up there. It was like a, it was like a major hike. It was probably like a, probably a three, four hour, really steep hike to get up there. And it turned out that there was no recordings, and it was an unrecorded species. So I was trying to see if I could get a recording, so I knew what it sounded like, and and I remembered somebody told me that. It had never been recorded before. So I, I got up there and I camped for a couple of nights. And the reason why I went for the, the strenuous option is that it was something that I could do by public transport. I could just take a bus along this main highway and then just jump off and then I could just hike up this thing. So for me, without a vehicle, going around on my own, it was actually a lot easier to get to this site than it was to go up this uh, this old highway where there was no public transport. So that's the option that I went for. You know, bird watchers in general tend to try and see birds in the easiest way possible. You know, you don't want to sort of uh, expend any more energy than, than you need to. But uh, I, I took the opportunity to go and camp for a couple of nights up in this kind of remote woodland, Bosque de Sarate. Sarate is uh, it's like a, a Spanish surname. And there's actually a bird, a type of cotinga called the white-cheeked cotinga, another Peruvian mm. endemic, which is called Zaratornis, that it was found originally in this small little patch of woodland. Yeah, so it's called Zaratornis, and I actually saw that bird there as well. But I got up there, and I pitched my tent, and I had a couple of days' food, you know, usual uh, routine of camping. And just when I was sort of birding around there, I heard this little call you know i'd been birding for months already in peru and i, I had a pretty good knowledge of, of bird calls and i heard this little this little song playing and i was like mm, i don't recognize that one um and i think i i may i had a little voice recorder with me at the time and i, I recorded this thing before i saw the bird and then you know after i got a recording i start looking and then i just see this i spot this bird perched on a little exposed branch and I was like, oh, my God, it's a rufous-breasted warbling finch. It was a bird that I was looking for, and it was just in full song. And I just uh, managed to to get a rec the, the, the very first ever recording of these of this species. So I was really super chuffed to uh, have got that recording. And, and at the time, they were just finishing off the new field guide to the birds of Peru. And it, it, it had been postponed and put off... Uh, for years and years and years and they were really trying to get this book out and it was just ready to to go to the presses and after I got back down to to Lima I contacted one of the authors who I'd been in in contact with a guy called Dan Lane and I said is your is your book out already because under under the vocal description it said um vocalization unknown 
So I sent I sent Dan Lane the vocalization of this, and he was <laughs> able to describe it for the book. Nice. And he also yeah, and it was just it was probably the very last thing that got in the book, the very last detail that got in the book. And he he, he gave a nice uh, um, vocal credit at the end of the book um, for my vocalization. Yeah, and I actually met him several months later. He was guiding a trip. And we crossed paths, and I I had this book, and I and he, and he signed it for me, and said thank you very much for the recording. So yeah, that was a quite a special vocalization for me. Yeah, so I'm, we're going to play you now the, the the song of the rufous-breasted warbling finch. <whistles> I said at the beginning of the episode that this was a sort of uh, a random selection of vocalizations <laughs> or not, maybe not random, but chosen by my brother with complete artistic license. There yep. was one exception, which was the Rufus Breasted Warbling Finch. There was a little bit of lobbying <laughs> on the part of Charlie to include this, even though it's not the most I spectacular said, bird vocalization because there's quite a, a special uh, story and memory attached. Yeah. So I'm glad it made it in. <laughs> So we're going to pass it back to Ken for the final vocalization of the episode, which is another bird from West Papua. Of course, um, on the island of New Guinea, the most famous um, bird residents are the um, the birds of paradise. And this is one that we went to see together called the red bird of paradise. Yeah, the birds of paradise, they're obviously incredibly spectacular things to look at. Um, vocally, this is a pretty typical one. <laughs> so we'll we'll yeah. go ahead and play the track for you. So yeah, they have these kind of, I don't know, honking vocalizations, not real melodious, uh -huh. but incredibly loud. You, you know, you can just hear these from yep. miles away. And I mean, they're hard to, they're hard to see the birds of paradise in general. They're, it's weird. They, they, they lek at dawn. So you'll have like multiple males up in a big, this is the red bird paradise. So they, they lek way high in a tree, like a rainforest canopy tree. And there'll be several males lecking. And so they're making these calls and they're doing at least partial displays where they're kind of making these like almost foam bath um, displays with their the feathers and kind of fluffing up. And, uh, and you know, if they're lucky, a female will come in. And, and then if a female comes in, they'll go into this like full display, which is, you know, crazy. people have seen yeah. a lot of these things <laughs> on uh, David Attenborough. What, what was it? Life of Birds. But yeah, it's it's just part of the part of the scene in in New Guinea. These kind of honking bird of paradise vocalizations. If you don't know the site of a lek and you don't have local help to sort of take you to a lek and have you on in position at dawn, you know the very hard things to encounter, oftentimes. And uh, you, you know, getting getting to a lek, getting in position on time often requires waking up at four in the morning and you know heading out into yeah. the rainforest with a headlamp and it's just a very exciting thing to be doing you know there's a lot of anticipation and and, and you know you can imagine it's still like black in the forest and you're kind of squinting up at this big rainforest tree and then you hear this vocalization for the first time and you, know, you get this spike of adrenaline it's like you know the bird of paradise is in the tree, but you're waiting for the sun to come up a little bit so you can actually see the bird. You know, you may be seeing a silhouette up there and then the sun comes up and then you just get this, this glorious kind of red and yellow or, or whatever color 
bird of paradise it's it's so exciting i mean it's just it's a real privilege to see these um you know and we often tell people you know you can't we're going to take you to these places and sometimes you'll go to a lek and they they just you know you might not even see the bird or they might just turn up briefly but if you actually see a display you're very very lucky and i think on that trip we probably had about five species i think i think we saw about almost 20 birds of paradise but five of them displaying so um yeah that was pretty special you remember it was quite a it was quite a, a tough hike to get up to the lek as well yeah the the, the leks actually move um or leks can be abandoned i think the the original one mm. was right next to a road and it might have been too disturbed ah. and so they sort of moved way up this hill and and see so, yeah so imagine it's <laughs> uh it's pre-dawn, but it's already hot and humid, and you're just sweating like a pig, walking up this this steep slope, <laughs> and then you get to the top of a, a little mountain, and there's a little observation platform, and then you're sitting there. It's still, you know, almost black, and you're waiting for these things to show up. Yeah, it was kind of a a weird mixture of like exhaustion and anticipation and adrenaline. I remember we actually had one lady actually had a heart attack. On the way up, she did. We didn't realize it until later on, but she was uh, watching uh, Red Bird of Paradise, um, just having had a heart attack, and she still. I think she still enjoyed the uh, the sighting. Yeah, she still she still saw the bird, but uh, she had to leave the tour yeah. soon thereafter, and that was that was Straight quite afterwards. A, yeah. a tough situation. One of the one of the tougher things I've dealt with as a guide, but I'm sure she's yeah. very glad she got to see the Red Bird of Paradise. She's she's a yeah. an absolutely fanatical birder and. Uh, <laughs> At least she got that one, that last bird of paradise. Uh, she's yeah. very, very keen to get back to West Papua now. See the rest. Okay, so that completes our roundup of the recordings that we used in our new theme tune. So many thanks again to Ken's brother, John, for putting that together. It's something we've been working on for quite a while. Yeah, months, eh? Um, it took, it, uh, it was months of going backwards and forwards and chatting and, and him playing around with it and, and giving some examples of what he can do. I'm very happy with the, the results. It's got some nice sort of music that evokes sort of traveling and adventure. And then it's got some wonderful natural sounds. So we think it really represents this podcast pretty well. So we're going to be playing it for every episode from now on. So um, I hope this helps you to sort of pick out some of the recordings it might take a bit of um, going backwards and forwards it took us a while to uh, <laughs> to pick them all out <laughs> we weren't sure but, which uh, ones he had he'd actually chosen so we had to exactly pick them out. yeah so um yeah it was it's been a lot of fun you know some podcasts they sort of start doing a few episodes and they may do just a handful and then quit but most people they they start off with a theme tune you know and and then sort of can't you know then lose kind of interest in the podcast whereas we've you know been pretty fanatical about churning these out every week but we never really got around to making a a tune so i'm very glad that we've uh, finally come up with one for the uh, for season two which we're very excited about we've got a few great guests lined up for the next few weeks we've got some new ideas of things to do so we hope you stay with us and uh, recommend us to your friends you can give us some reviews on uh, the podcast provider of your choice on itunes or google yeah, and we hope to grow the podcast more and more and reach more and more people. So, yeah, many thanks for listening. Special thanks to our patrons who support the podcast. We hope you uh, continue to enjoy it through the uh, through the second season. And to play us out again, we're going to listen one more time to our new 
theme tune to Naturally Adventurous. Okay, we'll see you next week.